Welcome everyone to Woo Stories. We are in our series about youth workers and we are meeting with wonderful people in our community who are doing amazing work. Yeah, Vanessa is with us today, Vanessa Barrios. She is somebody that I personally admire and respect, not only because of all the work she does with youth, but how she holds down her own family and how she's a pillar within her own family. Vanessa was part of our team this summer with Recreation Worcester program, and we saw you leading all the teammates on your team to support our younger staff. You definitely did an amazing job at coming into a new role and just taking that leadership that now we know it's always been part of your personality. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. City of Worcester Who Stories. My name is Vanessa Barrios. I am currently an ESL teacher for the New Citizen Center in Worcester. I work with 9th to 12th grade immigrants and refugees from all around the world. So our first question is like, what what made you do youth work? Like what made you gravitate towards youth work? What inspired you to do youth work? How did that come about in your life? So for me personally, I was a Boys and Girls Club kid, born and raised in Worcester. Both of my parents worked two full-time jobs to hold down our household. So pretty much the Boys Club was our caretakers. And in those places, I met people, you know, from all walks of life who, you know, wanted to help out kids. And for me, it was always... What can I do to help? How can I be more? How can I do more? They let me work with the little kids. Like I would help pack lunches, you know. I started there and then I got to help the older kids with homework. And I always knew that that was my goal. It was to help kids, to help people learn because I always knew that I wanted to be a teacher. Growing up where I grew up, it didn't go too far. You know, if you graduated high school, it was like a crazy stepping stone, you know. However, in our household, we didn't have everything but we had what we needed you know what I mean both of my parents grew up in pretty low income poor backgrounds so they did their best to give it back to us and I'm the youngest of my siblings that I was raised with and I was always the boss in the house <laughs> so you know I see pictures of myself um, my mom my dad used to tell stories about how I would sit them all down and I would make them listen even if I didn't know what I was talking about, I would make them listen to my stories. I would write stories. I would correct their homework. So yeah, pretty much a, a little bossy child who knew what she wanted to do. I guess that was my goal, being a club kid, you know, just finding a way back into the community once I could. And you also mentioned that just being a club kids and working with the younger and older youth, like you had the opportunity to like help them with their homework. Who Who helped get you started doing that? Like, was it somebody specific or did you advocate for yourself to like, hey, I want to help? I guess I put myself in that position because I was unafraid to sit in front of a crowd. I was never shy about expressing myself. And at the boys club, I had people, Ike McBride, he saw it. Carlos, the boxing trainer, he saw it. You know, they all gave me these opportunities that not all the kids got to have, you know, and where we were there from open to close. I harassed a lot more. I insisted a lot more. I, I knew that I wanted to help. And even though I was young and, you know, when you're younger, not too many people take you serious when you say I can do it, like give me a chance. But I kept insisting. So 
once they gave me the ball, I ran with it, you know, and it wasn't so much like, can you do this? It's like, hey, I want to try this. What do you think? Even getting older, even in high school, like I was a really stubborn kid, but my grades were always high. So I still got the good opportunities, even though I was a pain. But there were far and few people along who believed that I can, that there would be a chance for me to put like that bad attitude that I had aside and become successful. So it's very cheesy to say that it takes a village, but it really does take a village to raise each other. And something that is beautiful is also what you're saying about bringing someone along with you as we enter new spaces, as we have new opportunities. That is something amazing. And that's the way that we change our community. And I think that's at the heart of youth work. That's right. And for me personally, the older that I got, the less the stubbornness and the persistence and, you know, that rugged kind of like I can do it. The older that I got, the more it became like my downfall, you know. As I got older in high school, I was told so many times, like, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. You're not going to do anything. Things like that kind of fueled me at one point, And I made a lot of decisions that weren't <laughs> the best decisions, you know. I had a baby as a teenager. I moved out. I had two full-time, like the whole story, you know what I mean? It's not just my story and you hear it so often, but you don't usually hear the success stories that come from that. You hear the pity stories, right? I think that if you're willing to put yourself in a position to sit at a round table and listen to stories, and I think that was one of my downfalls too, you know what I mean? I was so mad at the world that I didn't think anybody was going to want to hear what I did with my life. I didn't think anybody would care that we came from nothing. And now, you know, look at us here, you know, and in a place like Worcester, you don't hear too many success stories. So it's a good thing to, to, to tell people, you know, like there's a light at the end of this tunnel. You just have to keep moving forward with it. And I have to start by thanking the Boys and Girls Club for pushing that. And I think that a big thing that we're missing in the community is the communication and the outreach. And this is why we want to highlight folks like yourself, because there's a lot of other youth workers out there who had the similar experience, but we operate separately. And I think part of what we're trying to do with this podcast or even other things is try to con make those connections so we can have a community within the community and support each other in different ways. Another thing you mentioned is that, yeah, sometimes all it takes is connecting with somebody who you relate to as a mentor to help you through um, the darkness or whatever challenges, whatever doubt you have in yourself to get to the light and to like be where we at today. Since I met you, Vanessa, I know my perception of you was always like a go-getter, a hard worker. I barely heard you complain when you was working hard, hard. And I know it was not only for yourself, but for your family and and the question I have for you, because all I see you is work, work, working is, is like, how do you take care of yourself? And like, how did you learn how to take care of yourself? Because a lot of times we didn't, we don't know, like we think working hard is taking care of yourself, but how do you learn to relax and just do the healing you need for yourself? Well, I think for me, I haven't found like a happy medium yet. Not for nothing, there's no greater satisfaction than knowing that I was able to change the narrative for my son. Like I said, I was a teen parent. I had two very, very much involved, very supportive parents, but I made the decision to have a child young. My goal was always to make sure that my son 
appreciated what he had but didn't have to worry so much about it you know i stress the fact that we come from a very low-income community you know my my mom had section eight you know my dad worked at the jail my mom was a visiting nurse but none of those jobs were ever enough you know what i mean so to see her come home and my dad come home and just scraping things together you know and they both had pretty dark past i think for me my satisfaction is in knowing that in some way shape or form i changed the narrative for my son i changed the narrative for the kids in my family that it's cheesy but they attended my my college graduation both times so my bachelor's and my master's and for me it was just like okay what's next you know but for my parents it's like different you know what i mean and that's my happiness. My happiness is knowing that my son knows that he can be whatever he wants to be, you know? And I go out into the community and I talk to kids all the time about that. Like, don't limit yourself based on what somebody is telling you you can and can't do. Don't limit yourself based on the income that you have, you know, because the sky really is the limit. It's all about making those connections. And in this community, everyone knows everyone, you know? <laughs> and it does come down to like, who you talk to and that's that's where I find my happiness is knowing that I knew I wanted to make a difference I don't know if I've made a difference in anybody's life but I know that I'm I'm on the path to doing that you know so that that brings me happiness that brings me peace as far as relaxing <laughs> maybe when I'm old <laughs> but right now it's just on the up and up you know as much as I can do as many places I can be and as many lives that I can affect is is pretty much my happiness. That that's very inspiring for you to say. And like I said, I, I always looked up to you in that way because you hold it down for like like I said, not only the youth you work with, but your family. Like you said, you're the youngest out of your siblings, but you still achieve being a first generation student and getting your masters. That's all like huge accomplishments, especially from the communities we come from. You take care of your older siblings, you take care of your mom, you take care of your own children and their children. My question to you is like, who do you go to for support? Because since I met you, you support everybody, but who do you go to when you need support? You need a hug or you need somebody just to talk to and vent to? Honestly, I write a lot. As far as support, you know, my fiance is my backbone, even though he's probably sick of hearing me complain. <laughs> My mom is my backbone. My dad passed away last year from cancer, but before that, he was literally like my my brains, you know what I mean? And my son, even though he's only 12, but he has an old soul. He's like a person that you can talk to and he you speak to him, it's like speaking to an adult. <laughs> but other than that, honestly, I pretty much roll with the punches. And I don't know if that if that's the right way to go about certain things because not for nothing, mental health is another big issue amongst that community. You know, where we come from, we're taught to suck it up. Don't cry, don't complain, keep moving, you know. This too shall pass. That that philo is like burnt into my brain. This too shall pass. But I really think that writing has been my my savior. This this is weird, but I used to write stories and like give them to my teachers. Um I used to like writing poetry. As you get older in school, writing becomes more of a chore than a, a hobby. Now, as an English teacher, my students, I make them write as much as I can. But for me, I write when I feel anxious. I write when I feel sad. I write when I feel happy, just because it's reflective. That's always been a go-to for me. I 
hear you sharing your story and I can relate a lot to just that sentiment of being the wildest dream sometimes of, you know, our realities. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I also think that sometimes it comes with a lot of pressure and a lot of heartbreak. Shout out to all the power and the strength that we have and the resilience. And I'm also, as I grow older, I'm trying to push more for for more compassion to our own selves. Um, so what would be your advice for all the young people and the youth workers that are hearing this and that see themselves in the story that you're sharing with us? I think if I can share a piece of advice and go back and think of the person that I was between 14 and 18, I would say a couple of things. One, every day is a new day, a new opportunity. I would say don't ever forget the feelings that you felt at your lowest point because you know that from there you don't want to feel those feelings again. Don't ever stop telling your story because you don't know who's listening. You don't know who's <laughs> who's looking for a break. You don't know who's going through what. And your story might just be the story that saves them. You are your own worst critic. Always remember that. <laughs> And I would say keep reflecting. As much as some people say, you know, I don't want to remember my past. I don't want to remember those dark times. I think that those moments are what feed my fire. You know, I can't tell you how many times I was told, just don't try to go back to school. You already have a baby. You ruined your life. Or you're poor. Don't go for that. You know, you, you can't afford that. All of those things I can remember being told so many times, you know, And I remember all of those people. I remember teachers telling me, your attitude is going to be your biggest downfall. Just keep those in the back of your head as fuel. And every time you feel like you're ready to quit or you're tired or this isn't going the way that you wanted it to go, remember, you don't have the plans. You don't, you, you make the design as you go along and always come back because there's somebody waiting. There's somebody watching, whether it's a child or a sibling or a friend. For me, I have a big family. I have a lot of children in my family who struggle. You know, everybody struggles, but I, I always remind them, don't ever settle because the moment that you settle is when everything good is right there, ready to happen. So if those are the things that I would say to somebody who's at that point where they're tired. They don't see a finish line yet. Um, you're dead in the middle, ready to quit, just... Don't forget to look back and always keep looking forward to. Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you for that. Something that we ask all of our guests in this series is to tell us about what's their heart spot here in Worcester. And we call it the Woo Spot. So what is your place in Worcester where you find peace and joy? My soft spot right now in the city is the inner city. I love the pits of it. Those kids <clears throat> that are the most misunderstood, the angriest, you know, the ones that come from the gutter. My heart is where those kids are. My happy place is not necessarily a location. It's seeing those kids a year later, seeing them progress. For me, it's always going to be in the inner city, in the public schools, you know, with those kids 
any any place that I can find that there are kids who need somebody, that's my place. And said by a true youth worker, I could relate to that where like the most comfortable sometimes I feel is in front of youth, just talking with them about ideas or what they're going through. And I find a lot of joy in doing that. And you saying that, I didn't even think about that as a joy, a joy spot, just being in front of youth and just mm -hmm. speaking with them. So yeah, I can relate to what you just said. Yes, it's crazy. You know, you don't even realize the impact that you make because like I said before, we've come so far, you know what I mean? You look back and you're like, oh, I don't even remember how I felt the first time I got turned down for a job or the first time that somebody told me I don't qualify or the first time someone turned me away because of my situation. And then you think of these kids and you think of the path that they have in front of them. And when you look back on that impact, and I'll go back to Mr. Jennings, like he was my geography teacher in seventh grade. And when I tell you that, I had an attitude. It was unmatched. <laughs> unmatched. And everybody used to tell me, like, one day you're going to run into a wall. One day you're going to meet your match. And I used to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Jennings. Bob Jennings. Robert Jennings. Let me tell you about him, okay? I went into his classroom, and I will never forget. I was wearing one of those ugly polo shirts that I think about it now, and I'm like, girl. But... I was wearing this shirt and I started arguing with another girl and he, you know, he would correct me. He would tell me to be quiet. He would tell me to sit down this day. He just must not have been having it because he grabbed me up and took me outside. And he told me, do you want to be somebody or do you want to be a piece of your whole life? And I'm like, what did he just say to me? Like thinking in my head, like, who does he think he is? And the, you know, ready to snap and he said it again and I'm like whatever Mr. Jennings would you believe so seventh grade we're talking almost 20 years ago would you believe that 20 years later Mr. Jennings is still a part of my life he wrote me one of my college recommendation letters I see him and he still gives me a hug he asks about my family he never gave up you know what I mean and he could have but he's one of those people in my life that was a constant. If I could get to the point that he's at, that he's given back so much in the community, like I'll know that I succeeded somewhere. So I don't know if he'll ever hear this, but he made a difference. He needs to know that he made a difference in somebody's life because he wasn't wow. afraid of me. And you are doing the same for so many young people around us. Yeah, you are. More than what you know, what we know, and like you said, someone's always watching, someone's always looking up to us in some kind of way. And they're just observing, even, even though we don't think they are. I know for a fact that you are making an impact on their lives. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for being with us today, Vanessa. And we appreciate you sharing yourself with us today. We definitely do. We appreciate you. And I know this is not the last time we're going to hear from you. And you're going to continue to have impact in the community and beyond, even beyond Worcester. Thank you guys for having me. This is a podcast created by the Division of Youth Opportunities. Thanks for tuning in. Check out our next episode because we will be speaking with Nicole Coleman about finding a passion and the importance of mentors.
The Who Stories Youth Worker Series was created in celebration of 2021 National After School Professionals Appreciation Week. Appreciation Week is a time to recognize and appreciate those who work with youth during out of school hours. It is a joint effort, including community partners, after school programs, youth and child care workers, and families. What Stories is produced by Frankie Franco, Katia Esparza, Vanessa Calixto, and Liza French. This episode was edited by Liza, and our episode art is by Vanessa. Special thanks to all of our guests. Our theme song is Gone by More Beats. You can find these episodes and more on our website, www.worcesterma/youth-opportunities. Find us on Facebook or check out our Instagram at Worcester underscore D-Y-O. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.